All right, tonight I want us to take our Bibles and turn to the book of James, chapter number four. The book of James, chapter number four. I've enjoyed the good song service tonight, the choir singing, and the special singing. I appreciate the emphasis of the songs that they were sung tonight that were placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians six fourteen, he said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And I appreciate those that will sing about the Lord and put the emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, we have revivals today, or we have revival campaigns, or revival efforts. It seems like much of the emphasis is put on... Uh, the evangelist, or it's put upon a, a name to get this one or that one. And, you know, it just seems like we are robbing the glory that belongs to the Lord Jesus in this hour. I remember, brothers, someone was telling me last week, week before last, about Dr. Old Brother Joe Parson. I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe Parson or not, but he was a preacher in days gone by. Old-time preacher. And he said he preached in a pretty good-sized church one day, and there was a great move of God. And many were coming to the altar, and many were finding help. And he said he stood up, from, he sat down on the platform, and he stood back up, and in his heart, nobody knew this, but in his heart, he was saying, see who it was that brought this message today that caused these people to come and get right. And the Holy Ghost smote Joe's heart and said, Joe, you're so wicked. He said, you're so wicked. He said, you'd steal the crown of glory that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? I'm afraid that could be said of a lot of us in our hearts. God help us to give the glory and the honor. Well, I bless the Lord for this day. Come to the house of God. Now, I trust you've come tonight for no other purpose but to receive help from the Lord and to draw closer to the Lord. That's the purpose of revival efforts. And the pastor said yesterday, uh, we do pray that people will get saved. We do pray that people will get born in the family of God. But real revival, real revival is a renewal and, and a refreshing of the people of God, them getting back in love again with the Lord Jesus, and then sinners being saved will come about as an automatic response of the church getting right with God. We with another and then get Lord, and you'll never get right with the Lord till you get right with one another. I believe we're bypassing that in this hour. We're trying to go to God and bring our gift and bring it to the Lord, but we're in wrong with one another. There's envy and malice and strife and bitterness and jealousy and variance and hatred and malice, and we want to come to God and bring our gift. If I read my Bible right, the Bible said if that's in your heart, then you leave your gift at the altar you go to your brother or your sister and be reconciled, then come and give your gift to God, and then he'll hear us when we pray then. And uh, by the way, Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15 said, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's not those big things that's killing us in this hour. It's, it's, it's things that seem so little. And I trust tonight that maybe God will pinpoint some of these and take the magnifying glass of the Word of God and Make them so big tonight that we'll see them. And you know, that's what seeing does. Seeing will minimize your own faults 
and sin will magnify the faults of others. Oh, you'll be able to see everybody else's fault, but you can't see your own fault. And we're trying to get a beam out of our, or a mote out of our brother's eye, speck of sawdust, and we got a two by four or a four by four in our eyes. Oh, what we need is help from the Lord in this hour. We need help. James chapter number four. Won't you stand with me to begin reading verse one down through verse number 11. In all of my days of hearing people testify, I've heard people say, you know, they'll say, the book of Revelation is my favorite book of the Bible. I've heard them say, well, the Gospel of John is my favorite book in the Bible. I've heard them say many, many books, but I don't reckon I've ever heard anybody say, James is my favorite book of the Bible. I don't reckon I've ever heard anybody say that. And brother, I'm going to tell you something. Brother James deals with the practical side of Christianity. And he deals with things we'd rather look over. Tonight, as we begin of James as he is writing to these, uh, these that are scattered abroad, these brethren. Now watch it in verse 1. From which come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask to miss, that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But it giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the evil. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. And may I say period? There's a little period in my Bible after brethren. I'll read it that way. Speak not evil one of another, brethren, period. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother Speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Keep your Bible open as we're going to examine these verses tonight for just a little while. Can you imagine as the people that James had wrote to, those 12 tribes that were scattered abroad, and all of those brethren and sisters that he wrote to, and can you imagine as they got the epistle of James and the pastor of that local assembly began to stand and read the word of God that James had wrote to them? Can you imagine how they must have been taken aghast as they heard James say the things that he's saying in chapter number four? As he mentions that they are adulterers and adulteresses. 
I can see a dear sister sitting in the congregation. And she, boy, she'll just, her glasses fall down on her nose. And she says, well, preacher, who does James think he's talking about? Well, I'll tell you who James is talking about. He's talking about us tonight. James is writing to the believer. He's writing to the Christian. He's writing to the church. Oh, he called them adulteresses and adulterers. adulterers. And, and then he talked about warring, one with another, and, and speaking evil one of another, and all these different things. And there's much practicality in this for us tonight. I want to use this as a text for these verses. We'll draw from this passage of Scripture. I want to use verse number 8 as the text. The Bible said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. By the way, he's not writing to sinners. He's writing to believers, and he calls them sinners. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I want to preach tonight, and with the help of the Holy Ghost for a little while, on the ministry of drawing nigh to God. The ministry of drawing nigh to God. Now, in this passage of Scripture that we've read, we're brought to the reality that God wants every one of us that are saved to draw nigh unto Him. He wants us to draw close to Him. He wants us to push forward and to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. After you get saved and get born again, that's not the end. That's only the beginning of the Christian life. And then there ought to be that desire in every Christian's heart to, to draw nigh to God. And the Bible did say, and I appreciate this, the Bible said draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you. Now here's the way I read this and what I see. It's like if we'll take one step toward God, God will take one step toward us. And if we'll take four or five steps toward God, God will take four or five steps toward us. And if we'll just break out in a dead run, I mean giving it everything we've got, and let nothing turn us aside, that if we'll draw nigh to God, God will draw nigh to us. Yeah, now that's what we want in revival, isn't it? Isn't that what this meeting's all about? That we're trying to draw nigh to God, that to find God's will, to hear God's voice, that, uh, to get close to the Lord in these last days. Well, that's what James is telling these believers. He's trying to preach to them, draw nigh to God. That, uh, draw nigh to him, and he'll draw nigh to you. Now, if I know my heart, and I know Jeremiah said that my heart was deceitful and desperately wicked, and who could know it? But if I know anything about my spiritual heart and my spiritual man, I, I do, I do, I do want to draw nigh to God. I don't want to be a mediocre Christian. Brother, when I was lost in the world, I, I'd do about anything the devil wanted. I, I mean, I was the clown of the party. I, if I played ball, I played it with all of my heart. I, I didn't want to sit on the sideline. I, I wanted to be out there I, and, and busting heads and playing ball with everything. I, and when I got saved by the grace of God and got born again, I, God placed it in my heart I, I, to want to be I, an all-time Christian I, and draw nigh to God. It seems like we're living in an hour when people are satisfied to stay at a distance from God. 
Oh, yes, they want to be saved. They want to go to heaven. They want the best of both worlds. But Amos 3, 3 said, how can two walk together except they be agreed, friend? And we need to ask God to help us oh, to draw nigh to him. Now, if you're saved, if you're born again, if the Spirit of God lives within you, surely tonight you're saying, amen, preacher, I want to draw nigh to God. And by the way, we can all, everyone from right here tonight on back, every one of us can get a little closer. Every one of us can get a little closer and become more like him and draw nigh and draw near to him than we've ever been before. Now, James deals with some things here about the ministry of drawing nigh to God. Now, first of all, I want you to look with me as we notice the burden or the beginning the burden of drawing nigh to God. And James gives us here at least three different characteristics that, that we need to have in our life if we're going to draw nigh to him. Number one, look back there at verse 8. And just, we'll use this as a springboard here. The Bible said, draw nigh to God, that, and he will draw nigh to thee. Here's what I see out of that verse, that there's going to have to be, now listen, an appetite of hunger, an appetite of hunger. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to thee. We're going to have to get hungry and longing and yearning and desiring to draw nigh to God. But I see most so-called Christians today, their appetite is not to draw close to God, but to see how far away from God they can be and still make it to heaven. Our appetites is filled up with the world and sports and materialistic gain and all these other things. Where are those Christians with an appetite and a hunger to draw nigh to God? A hunger. Alone. I thought about what the Bible said in Matthew 5, 6. That Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad, look up here. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Mom, do you hunger and do you thirst after righteousness? 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that, that they may grow thereby. When my little girl was first born, Rebecca, and then John came along, I remember them waking up in the middle of the night. And it was a feeding time. We'd go in there and turn on the light. And that little old baby, that little old girl, those little fingers was reaching up. And it was saying, Mom and Daddy, I'm hungry. Her eyes were saying, I'm hungry. Every fiber of her body, her little feet were moving. Everything was saying, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Oh, would to God that we'd have an appetite of hunger for the things of God, for the things of God, and not the things of this world. An appetite, an appetite. How's your spiritual appetite tonight? Did you leave the house with this kind of an attitude? Well, bless God, it's revival time again. And I'm going to have to go. If I don't go, Brother Drake's going to be a hunting me and calling me. And I'd rather be at the fair. Or I'd rather be home watching television. Or I'd rather be working on my hobby. How's your appetite tonight? This is the most weakest, anemic Christian age we've ever seen almost. 
They're weak, brother. Weak. Spiritually anemic. Appetite. David said in Psalms 42, verse 1, As the heart, that little deer, as the heart paineth after the water brook, so paineth my soul after thee, O God. And the idea is that little heart, it's a little deer, and it's running, and it's running, and the hounds, the hunters are after it, and it's running, it's lathered up, and it's sweating, it's so tired, but it's running and running. Oh, how I'd like to stop at the water brook, how I'd like to get a refreshing drink. David said, oh, God, is the heart painteth after the water brook, so painteth, so longeth, so desireth my soul after thee, O God. Amen. I don't have a real appetite for God anymore. Average meeting anymore. Average evangelist I know is going to a three-day meeting. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, maybe four days, Wednesday, you know. Get two in one week. I had an evangelist now. I'm not calling any names. I had an evangelist tell me here a while back. He said, I, I, he said I'm booking two, two a week now. Two a week, he said. I'm getting them, knocking them down. I said, well, brother, what are you going to do to get in a two or three-week meeting? He said, let somebody else have it. He said, I don't want that. I said, why, brother? Why? He said, it don't produce none of this when you go two in three weeks. Don't produce none of this. if you go. I'm talking about a man of God so-called. And listen, if he don't have no appetite for God. Amen. James said, we're going to have to have an appetite. We're not hungry anymore. Folk coming on Sunday morning, brother. They come in on Sunday morning, they can't wait to get out. They don't come to get in, they come to get out. And you know why? That they're not hungry for the things of God. They're not hungry, there's no appetite. Oh, if we could ask the Holy Ghost to cultivate within us an appetite for God this week. An appetite for God, a hunger. That's the burden. That's the beginning of drawing nigh to God. Now listen to me. You're never going to draw nigh to him anymore than what you are until you get a real appetite and a hunger, a vehement desire to draw nigh to God. But not only that, look at what James said in the latter part of verse 8. Not only is there going to be an appetite of hunger, but he said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Not only is there going to have to be an appetite of hunger, but there's going to have to be an attitude of holiness. An attitude of holiness. If we're going to drown out of God, if we're ever going to get near to him, if he's ever going to let us come in his divine presence and know him and experience him, there's going to have to be an attitude of holiness. Holiness. You mentioned holiness in the average Baptist church, and they don't like that. Holiness, righteousness, godliness, holiness. James said, all right, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Cleanse your hands. You're not going to get close to God with dirty hands. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Dirty hands and a divided heart. You'll never, you'll never see him and know him. Like he wants to reveal himself. You know what they did in the tabernacle? You know this. 
They come to the brazen altar there. They brought their sacrifice, but before those priests could ever go in the holy place and minister, they had to stop at the laver of brass. They took that water and they washed their hands and washed their feet. They had to cleanse their self before they could get in there where the table of showbread and the golden candlestick and the altar, they had to cleanse themselves. Cleanse themselves. You can preach on anything in the Baptist church. You can preach on tithing. Most people will say amen. You can preach on about anything but godly, holy living. Amen. Now, do we want to draw an eye to God? How bad do you want it? How much of God do you want to see? How close to God would you like to get? We're going to have to have an attitude of holiness. You see, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I think there's two references there to that verse. Follow peace with all men. Hey, follow peace with all men. That means your neighbor. That means your brother and sister in the church house. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And we're going to see him because we've been saved by grace and we've been born again in the sweet by and by. We're going to heaven. But you're not going to see the Lord in this walk of life. You're not going to enjoy his manifested presence until you have peace with all men and holiness about your life. Godliness. Holiness. The church has gotten worldly and the world has gotten churchy. And you could light a so-called hundred believers up and put a hundred lost people in between them and you can't tell the difference anymore. As in Capital Baptist in Capital, Capital Baptist Church last week up in up in the Washington, DC area. I made this statement. I think it may have upset some folks. I said, I will tell you something. I said, the average church I go into, independent fundamental premillennial Baptist church, looks like a cross between a hippie commune and a go-go joint and a punk rock crowd. I'm talking about believers, so-called believers. No attitude of holiness anymore. But I tell you, I was brought up to respect the house of God. I'm telling you, I didn't get to run around in church. I wasn't allowed to talk. I wasn't allowed to flirt around with a girl in church. I was taught to respect God's house. We had to have an attitude of holiness. Holiness, holiness. Psalms 15, 1, David said, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh a upper reproach against his neighbor. In other words, David said, the man that lives holy, he's going to be able to abide in the presence of the Lord. You know, the average church, you can sell liquor, be a good chartered member. You can sell pornography and be a good chartered member. Yeah. All those things that our forefathers used to stand against. And we wonder why there's no holiness, why we don't see God and there's no holiness. By the way, a gospel without holiness is a holy mess. A gospel 
doesn't produce holiness is a holy mess. How much do you want to draw now to God? What price are you willing to pay? Well, preacher, now I tell you what. Boy, we just want to shout tonight, preacher. We we just want to have a good time tonight, preacher. You know, that's about the average philosophy anymore. You know, there's pressure in evangelism to be able to stir folk up and to get that response out of them, put them on an ultimate high there, and then leave, and then they're none the better, brother. They're none the better. We need an attitude of holiness, church. We need an appetite of hunger, an attitude of holiness. Peter said, be ye therefore holy. Be ye holy in all matter conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy. God said, for I am holy. We're to be a holy people, a holy people. Consecrated, dedicated to the Lord. I'm not preaching on holiness anymore. Even the holiness people, we used to call holy people, holiness people, the church of God people, used to be able to tell their women. You'd be able to tell their women a, a quarter of a mile away. Yes, sir, years ago you could. Brother, I mean, they'd dress right. Those ladies would wear their hair long. They wouldn't, they wouldn't cut off their hair and make it look like it's, you know, just a little just shaved off and shorn off. They, you could spot them a mile away. I've done it. I've been in, in Kmart and places and said, honey, I'd say, Barbara, guarantee that goes to Church of God lady. I'd she say, how do you know? I said, what's this? And I'd go by and say, ma'am, said, I, I believe you're a Christian, aren't you? Well, yes, sir. Yes. I said, I, I, I guess you go to what church? I said, I guess you go to church. You're, you're a Pentecostal. You're holiness. She'd say, how'd you know? But you know what? You can't hardly tell the holiness people no more. And Baptists are far, far off. Now, holiness is not just in a dress style. Holiness begins in the heart. But if you got the real thing on the inside, and if your heart's right, I'm going to tell you something, the outside's going to take some shape and form about it. I remember when ladies used to outshout men four to one. I remember when ladies used to outshout men four to one. But you know what's happened, don't you? They've lost their glory. What's their glory, preacher? Well, if you read 1 Corinthians 11, the Bible said that a woman's hairs are given to her for a covering, and it's her glory. I know what that beautician told you. She said, now, you're just a little bit plump, but if you'll cut your hair off real short, it won't make you look so big. And you fell for that line, didn't you? And you wear your hair so long. I was in a meeting here a while back, and I'm honest, before God, my hair was longer than that woman's hair was. I never seen nothing like it. Butched off, one of them butched off haircuts, you know. Shaved down the back of the neck. You know what Mary did? Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, didn't she? And she chose that best part. And she listened to the master as he preached and he taught. And she had hair long enough that she got down and wiped his feet with her hair and her tears. And I'll tell you, the average woman today, they'd have to turn her upside down like a mop and let her mop the feet of Jesus. She couldn't wipe it with her hair. That's right. Holy. Oh, preacher, you know that's out of date. I know it's out of date. It's not proper. I know it's not proper. 
I was in a meeting here a while back, and I've seen all these ladies come in. I'm talking about choir ladies now, choir ladies, church members, and honest before the Lord. I said, it looks like we've got a bunch of country girls here tonight, because every one of you come through a barbed wire fence. You must, have, you must have climbed through a barbed wire fence to get here, and I didn't know there was any in this state up here where you at, but you've climbed through a barbed wire fence, and your dresses are split in the back, and the front, and the sides, split, split, split. Oh, yeah, no, no holiness no more, sir. And we've gone so far away now. That was good back yonder for Grandma Preacher. And Grandma was kind of, you know, she's no fuddy-duddy. She's a fanatic. But this is, I'm telling you, Preacher, this is 1988. You know what? They'll, tell, they'll say, why now, Granny? I, they'll even tell the grannies now, why, Grandma, you look better in a pantsuit. Get you a pantsuit. And Grandma, get you some britches. And then get you some bullfighting britches, you know. And Mamma, don't wear them old dresses. And, and Mamma, don't wear them up here. And don't wear them alone. And I'll tell you something else. This crowd, this crowd of young girls I see today that wear, and mamas too, that'll come in the house of God with these short sleeve little sweaters on. And when they hold their hands up, you can see from Dan to Beersheba, I'm telling you, you need some clothes on. Some of you mamas and daddies must be blind. You must be blind. And you'll get mad at a man of God for preaching like this. You'll get storming mad. But oh, just wait. You're courting disaster. You're courting disaster with that young girl. You're putting her out there on display. And my daddies used to say, if it's not for sale, don't put it on display. Amen. An attitude of holiness. No wonder where, where we're at today. Now, do you want to get close to God or not? How bad do you really want revival? What are you willing to, what are you willing to deal with? Then look at verse 9 and 10. He said, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Boy, we don't see much of that today. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Not only is there to be an appetite of hunger and an attitude of holiness, but there's to be an air of humility about us. An air of humility. You ever seen such a bunch of braggarts, braggarts, as we got in this day? I tell you now, and I, and I don't hope you hope you won't take this the wrong way, but I'm just about convinced that about 75 to 80 percent of these religious periodicals are nothing more than a bunch of papers to brag on. My books, my tapes, my ministry, my, 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 my. Where's the air of real humility? You're going to draw nigh to God, you're going to have to have that kind of heart, a humble heart. Now there, there is a false humility, and there's a fleshly humility. I've actually had people come up to me and say, have you recognized how humble I am? Yeah, I had a man one time said, have you noticed how humble I really am? Brother, he is as proud as a peacock strutting his feathers everywhere. Have you realized how humble I am? Oh, my goodness. 
Now, ask yourself, what kind of air of humility do you have about you? Did you know the Bible said in Proverbs 6, verse 16, these six things that the Lord hate, and yea, seven are abomination, and the very first one was a proud look. A proud look, an arrogant look, a haughty look, a heady look. That's about where we're at in this hour, as churches across America. If this is not the Laodicea church agent, I don't know what this book's talking about. Rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And that's about the attitude of people across this country. Where's the real air of humility? Realizing, as the brothers sing, that we're nothing more than a worm, a worm. And, 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 and an old maggot worm at that. That's what that word means, brother. It means a maggot worm, the Lord's form of a worm. We think we're something, brother. Average church member thinks the church couldn't get along without him. Yeah, big daddy. And it just stands to reason if God wants us to draw nigh to him, then the devil's going to do everything in his power to stop us short of drawing nigh to God. Now, do you, get, you understand that? That's just simple. God wants us to draw nigh to him, and, and the devil's going to use every tactic that he can come up with to keep us from drawing nigh to God. Now, here's the bad. Let's say that you do get a hunger. Let's say God begins to work and an attitude of wholeness in you and an air of humility and you get under a burden and a, and a drawing and a, and a desire to draw not a God. You know what's going to happen right then? The battle's going to start. The battle's going to start. Let's say, here we go now. We're wanting to move toward God. We're getting ready to start. And the devil sees us. He sees us getting broken. He sees us getting hungry for God. And we're beginning to pray. And we're beginning to forsake the world and the things of the world. And you know what happens is he sees us make one move. The battle's going to start. Now watch this. Look at verse number 1 too again. James 4, 1 and 2. From which come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence even of your lust? That war in your members, you lust and you have not, you kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. Here comes the enemy number one. You start drawing out of God. And the flesh, the flesh is going to rise up and say, no. I don't want to. I don't want to get right. I don't want to give up your flesh. From which come these wars, James said, among you? He's talking about believers, warring and fighting and quarreling among each other. Come they not hence of your own members, in other words, your flesh. Number one enemy in my life, number one scoundrel and enemy in my life, it's not my preacher, God forbid. It's not my church. It's not the people in my church. It's not my wife. I'm my own greatest enemy. The flesh. Amen. It's so fickle. It's so lustful and lazy. It's so easily led astray. It's so sinful and sensual that it's so hard to control the flesh. You make that one move toward God in the flesh. Flesh is going to say, now you don't want to do that. Well, look what you're going to have to give up. No, don't do those things. Well, the flesh is starting. You have any problems with flesh? I don't trust my flesh as far as I can pick it up and throw it, and I don't trust yours half that far. All flesh is alike. 
Paul said, make no provision for the flesh. I've heard Brother Sammy Allen illustrate it like this. Oh, Brother Sammy said, he'd say, I don't mind going out that line. I don't mind going out that old line if he ain't been fed in 40 days. If he ain't been fed in 40 days, he's so weak, he can't hardly stand up. Brother Sammy said, I wouldn't mind going out that line then. He said, I don't want to go in there for the line that's been fed every day, fed every day, fed every day. You know what this generation's doing tonight? Making provision for the flesh. They feed the flesh. They pamper the flesh. You know what happens when you hear old-time preaching that's gun barrel straight? When your preacher gets up here, the man of God gets up here, and he lowers the book down and pulls both barrels, you know what your flesh will do? Your flesh will say, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is telling me how to live and how to wear my hair and how to dress and where I ought to go? You know what that is? That's your stinking rotten flesh screaming. Your flesh is screaming out in rebellion. Oh, I can't mind doing it. I've had in mind to do it, buddy. Just rare up, buck right up and say, who they think they Then I'd look at the Word of God and have to get right about it, get in the prayer closet about it. Holy Ghost say, that man of God's right. That's the book, boy. That's the book. I'd just have to say, flesh, you're going to die. I'm going to die right here. That's the reason Paul said, I reckon myself dead. Paul had to reckon that old flesh dead every day of his life, every day of his life. I die daily. I die daily. I die daily. You know what brings wars and all these things and arguments and fussing and feuding? The flesh. We ain't half as dead as we pretend like we are. Oh, we'll say, preach, I tell you what, I've died with Christ, I've buried with Christ, I've risen with Christ. Why, well, I'm seated in heavenly places way up yonder. But we ain't half as dead as we act like we are. You know what I've been noticing, honey? I've been noticing. She, she didn't act right toward me. She don't act right toward me. You know what I think? She's trying to do too much. She's trying to do too much. She's trying to get, she's trying to get the passengers to take notice of her. She, she, she. And she don't hardly shake my hand no more either. You know what all that is? It's a flesh. Flesh. You get ready to go toward God and you watch your flesh jump up. And scream. No. Look at verse 4. If, look here, if we do get past the flesh, if we do say, you're going to die, buddy, you're dying, I'm putting you, you're, I'm reckoning you're dead, you're dying. But get across the flesh, you know what's going to face us then? It ain't over. But if you get past the flesh a little bit, you know what's going to be standing in front of you? Verse 4, James said, ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's strong language now. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever is the friend of the world is the enemy of God. If you can get past the flesh a little bit, then there'll be the friendship of the world standing right in front of you. Saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. Come on now, the old friendship of the world. Say, come on over here. 
Come on over here. Come on. You don't have to be. Man, you don't have to be a fanatic. You don't have to go all the way. And that old friendship of the world, hey, there'll be some other so-called Christians. Why don't you come down to our church? They don't preach that strong. Why don't you come on down there? Our pastor has one. Our pastor goes there. Our pastor's wife wears that. It's all right. Oh, oh, friendship of the world. Say, come on. Come on. Don't go. Man, don't. You don't have to go all that. That preacher's a fanatic. He's crazy. I've heard him admit that. Isn't it amazing how much like the world we want to be today? And, and I'm telling you, if it ever happens in my house, I've gone senile, crazy. I lost my mind. I see these little girls today. They got these punk rock haircuts, you know. And they, you, know you see them just look like it's like I stuck a finger in a 220 stock and they just have all kind of wild, you know. Just look at friendship of the world. And they want to have those posters in their bedrooms, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They want to feed them little rock and roll posters, you know, them, them young boys. No shirt on, a few hairs on their chest, you know, leather britches on, unzipped about halfway. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I stayed at a so-called Christian's home one night. They put me upstairs in the girl's bedroom, give me that big bedroom up there, and she had them plastered all over the walls. And before God, up over the ceiling where my head was laying, as I looked up, there was another, and she laid there every night and looked at that thing. Now, you can like you want to, but you don't know what that girl was doing every night she went to bed. She was committing fornication with that boy in her mind. She was having sex in her mind. I laying there in the bed in a so-called Christian home. Now, if you've got that junk in your house, Dad, Mom, if you've got no more the grace of God about you ought to be tired and tethered. What's the matter with us, Miss Friendship of the world. Well, listen to their music. And then, you know, moms and dads will say, yeah, preacher, give them the devil about that rock and roll. But all oh, mom and dad, they like whaling. They like Jesse Coulter. They like Willie Nelson. Oh, they like Merle Haggard. They like the country music artist. And they're just as wicked, if not more wicked. Double standards. A double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. Friendship of the world. Now watch this. Who are you buddy up with on the job? Who are you buddy up with? Who are you buddy up with out school? When I go to a Christian school, preacher, that don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing no more. Who are you buddy up with in that Christian school? You buddy up with them that like to tell dirty jokes and those that like to cuss a little bit? Who do you buddy up with? Your friends speak a whole lot about you. Now, you mean it work a job. Who do you buddy up with at the dinner hour? Do you find that old salty Christian? Carries his New Testament in his lunchbox. And all he wants to do is sit around and talk about Jesus. Do you buddy up with him, sit down and talk with him about the Lord, but, or do you get with that other crowd? Gee, the book, the book, the Word of God said friendship with the world is enmity with God. Well, if you get past the flesh a little bit, and then there's friendship with the world kind of going your way. Don't draw an eye God. Don't not then what happened when I got saved? I didn't have to leave the world. <laughs> the world left me in a hurry, brother. I went to work that next weekend. I went to work carrying my Bible. Had three haircuts in one week. You listen? Three haircuts in one week. I used to wear it parted in the middle. 
I was dating a girl that was a beautician. It was feathered back across my ears, halfway down across my earlobes. I wanted to be conservative enough to fit in with some conservatives and liberal enough to fit in with all the liberals. Had it down on the back of my neck, and I had that, them tur the turquoise necklace on, turquoise rings on. Had them old platform shoes I used to wear, and I looked like Tiny Tim, tiptoeing through the tubes. But you know what I got to say by the grace of God? Rock and roll music went that Sunday afternoon, and all the filthy books were gone. Cigarettes had done gone two days before. I was trying everywhere in the world to get right with God. And all this stuff began to go, began to go. I got three haircuts in one week. And when I went to work Monday morning carrying a Bible, they said he smoked so much dope, it drove him crazy, he's crazy, he's crazy. You know what? I went to talk about Jesus, and them so-called friends just kept going, choo, choo. Well, they dropped off me like, like, like old fleas off a dog that had been bathed in something. They just got to fall off. And they'd stand way off and look at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Buster, we see you. That's like I had the plague or something. Do they all flock up to you? Does the world like to be around you? Does the world like to associate with you? The world is now your job. You smile at their off-colored jokes. Do you pull their tip boards? Do you buy your little squares on the football board? You go, you, you buy the little squares to win you the little shotgun, you know. Well, boy, if you can get now, look here. If you can get past the flesh a little bit and beat the flesh down, buffet it. There's a friendship with the world. Saying, "Come on, now, come on." Now, I'm gonna tell you something. These young people have a lot of peer pressure to bear. That old world saying, come on, come on. world saying, don't be like you. No, man, have fun, have fun. Live your life with gusto. You're only going around once, live it up, live it up. No under peer pressure. But boy, if you can beat the old friendship of the world down a little bit and get by it, you know what, stand, you think you got it made. You think you got it. And by the way, as you start this journey, he's coming this way too. And oh, you're getting closer. You feel his presence a little more each time, see. Oh, yeah, you're, you're getting blessed a little bit each more. But you know what's standing out of here? You'd think this would have been first. But you see, if you can get by uh, the old flesh a little bit and by friendship with the world, you know what's standing right here? A fault-finding tongue. Watch this. Look at this. James said in verse 11 and 12, I want to read this now. Look at it. Remember now, speak not evil one of another, brethren, period. That's a period in my Bible. He that speaketh evil of his brother judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Speak not evil, one of another brethren, period. Boy, here you went. You've got past the flesh a little bit. You've got past friendship with the world. You've all, boy, you're just about to get close to him, and all of a sudden, that old wicked member right there. I believe it was Dr. R.G. Lee said it was so wicked. Did you know James 3 said that this thing set on fire of hell? It's the smallest member of the body, but the Bible says it's set on fire of hell. Did you know what God did? God took it and bathed it in slava. He put it down in that watery pit, that watery grave back in there. And then he put a wall of ivory around it to garrison it in. Then he put a wall of flesh around it. And God bathed that fiery member, that tongue, back in yonder. I'll tell you what, them, what, that wall of flesh will bust open, that wall of ivory will bust open, and out of that, that watery pit, that old tongue will come out. James said out of the same mouth was 
Out of the same mouth proceedeth not blessings and cursings, my brethren. You don't know why we can't get a lot of young people in the house of God this hour? Because moms and dads have cussed the preacher. You look up here. They've cussed the preacher. They've had preacher for dinner, preacher for breakfast, preacher for supper. They tore him down. They belittled him in front of their children. I, I don't believe all that. I don't believe all that. What you're doing, you're, you're putting God in your children's mind. You're, you're tearing down the integrity and the position of the man of God. Amen. Run that old tongue. Run that old tongue. Amen. Talking about others in the church. Talking about them. Talking about them. And I even hear little kids talk about other members of the church. You know where they picked it up? The supper table. Dinner table, mom and dad. Well, just think about it now. You got past the, you got the flesh beat down a little bit, and you got past friendship with the world, and you're a dead love. But you don't want to cut you off and turn you around right here? It's a fault finding thing. That old critical time. Called my wife last night, Sister Barbara. We just had revival at our church, a week and a half of it. I got on three days of it before I went to Washington. She said, Buster, I said, How'd it go yesterday morning? She said, We had a good meeting. She said, Preacher didn't get to preach. So the power of God come. The big preacher showed up. She said, There were some testimonies rendered. I said, Anybody in particular? I said, What all went on? She said, Well, she said, One of the deacons' wives stood up. She said, I want the church to forgive. I've been having a fault-finding tongue, critical spirit. I've been looking at everybody's faults and talking about them and everything. She got up and confessed it. Confessed it before the church. Went to weeping and crying. People got to, just people for example, got right about it. I want to ask you a question now. Let your mind think now. Get your thinking cap on. If anybody in this church wants to swap sides and sit right beside, if anybody in this church could there be anybody in this church sitting down beside you? They know we're not talking. They know we're not right. Could anybody sit beside you and it would chill your spirit? Anybody? Because if there is, you're not right with God. And you're not going to get right with God until you get right one with another. I'll illustrate this. See this light here? You get over here and you get saved. You start out, get born again, you're walking along. You're walking in what light you got? The Bible said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Amen, Lord. Step over into more light. The Lord said that. Be not uh, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Said, you're right, Lord. You're really right. I, I believe it. I'm, I'm coming out of there. Getting more light all the time. Said, you're walking. Oh, listen. All it takes is just one guy. And you get hard feelings. And you get bitterness. Well, bless God, if we ever get right about this, they'll come to me and get it right. I was in the right and they was in the wrong. I don't care if you were right and they were wrong. The Bible said if you know that your brother's got all against you, you're to go to your brother. Amen. And get it right. Amen. You don't know what they did to me, preacher. You don't know what they said about me. I don't care.
Do you practice what you preach, preacher? I try to. There was a situation one time where an older preacher got jealous in his heart. Things happened between me and him. And I was just agreeing. If you'd set me out, I'd have grown. I was agreeing. I was a novice. I just said, well, Lord, it'd be best we just leave. Not cause no, I don't want no trouble, Lord. And you know what? I just stepped out. Part of that church wanted me to take about a hundred of them and build a church. I could have been full time in the ministry six months after I started preaching with a hundred people congregation and the a house, the car. And I said nothing doing. I ain't taking no split done. No. You know what? I see that man putting arms around him, loving. Take a shower one day. Get ready to go somewhere and take a shower. And the Holy Ghost just out of work. Holy Ghost spoke to my heart. Said, "Call him. Call him. Tell him." I would tell you, been praying. And I had been praying for him. Every day I've been praying for him. I went in there and got in there and finally got the phone. I called up there and he said, I've been waiting an hour for another phone call. I couldn't leave. I said, the Lord just wanted to call you to I love you. Pray for you. I'm going to share. I, I don't know why the Holy Ghost wants to be sharing this, these things. I believe God's saying something to us. We had a business meeting at our church here a while back. I'm going to tell you something. If you ever speak a word about my pastor, if a man ever speaks a word about my pastor, I hope I've been praying quite a bit because they're going to be, they're going to be trouble. Trouble. And that day, I got to be there in the afternoon men's meeting. And there was a dear brother in that, of our church. And, and things got heated. You know how they get sometimes. Got kind of hot. And he said, bless God, I don't like the preacher. He said, I ain't been fed in months. He said, all I hear is faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. He said, I tell you, I, I, boy, I bit my tongue. I bit my lip to the blood run down my throat. I thought you, yea, who, bless God, if you don't like what's being fed right here, there's 50 other restaurants. Find you another where they'll serve you like you want. Oh, I got upset, man. I'm just being honest. I'm still in the flesh. I, I didn't have it beat down as good as that day that I'd like to have. Man, I sat there and I thought I would just, man, I said, I had to just hold myself. My pastor knew what was going on with me. Man, my eyes must have read my heart. He, and, he, and I said, I just sat there. Man. And then he made another accusation toward me. He made an accusation toward me. Hmm. It hurt to, you know, it got to, kind of got down in there. I let it get in there. You know what it was? Boy, that old root of bitterness. Got right down in there. It's tender. It's so tender. That root of bitterness just kind of got in there. All right, then the, the next week, I heard he lost his job. Be you know? I said, bless y'all, serve him right. Talk about my serve him right. Holy Ghost. Boy, Holy Ghost smote my heart. Holy Ghost smote my heart. And I said, oh, God, I hope not to talk that. I said, Lord, I was sorry. Boy, I went down there and began to pray for that brother God to give him the best job he's ever had. I said, God, give him double what he's ever Give him the best job. And this past weekend, I got to be at church on Sunday morning. When that dear brother came forward, he came forward, and his wife came forward weeping and crying and squalling. And then he came forward. Holy Ghost said, did you mean what you said to me the other day? I said, yes, Lord, yes. Holy Ghost said, you go up there and you get outside here. You hug his neck and you pray for him. Hey, bless your mother. He said, before you go, open your wallet. Get out the X amount of dollars. 
Lord, I crawled almost. I crawled almost all that morning. Put my hands around him. I said, I want you to know I love you. I've been praying for you. And I had been. And boy, you know what the Holy Ghost did? He just took that little old tender root of bitterness. Chucked it out. It's gone, buddy. It's gone. That old thing's gone. I'm glad I didn't go for five, six, seven weeks or eight, nine months. That thing had grown to be a mighty old big tree that you can't hardly get. You know, that's what folks got. They got so much. They got big old roots of bitterness in them. And, and buddy, they, they, they can't stand to think about the thoughts of having to get right. Having to get right. You'll either, you'll have to get right one with another. You'll never be right. Yeah. But I thought, God, I can't go preach. God, I can't go preach a revival nowhere. And this thing in my heart, I've got to get it right. I've got to get it right. Amen. After service, he come to me. You know what he said? He's a country old hooter, country old boy, country old farmer. He just kind of paused the ground. He said, Brother Buster said, I've done a lot of wrong things in my life. But he said, he said, I want you to know I still love you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm sorry, preacher. I'm sorry. And I hugged his neck and told him, I said, I love you, brother. And I've been praying. Hey, folks, we have got, we have got to deal with these things. You'd be surprised right here tonight. What's lurking in heart? Lurking around in there. Let's keep the nuts and have them mm. I tell you what, I've been in meetings where folk had to leave the meeting to call folk and get it right. I've known them even have to go to other churches and apologize for the way they acted. Now, how bad do you want this? We don't want it too bad if we're not willing to say, Brother, I, I, I'm wrong. Sister, I, it's me. I'm wrong. I'm going to get it right. I close now. There's the battle. There's the burden, the beginning. But there's the blessing. There's the benefits of drawing nigh to God. Old James said, Brethren, if you're drawn out of God, he'll draw nigh to you. If you've ever been close to the Lord, if you've ever enjoyed the sweet presence of heaven, the glory of God, if you've ever had God just seemingly wrap his arms around you and squeeze you up, boy, you just weep and cry and shout. You can't stand and live long outside that. I tell you what, I, I can't go far. I can't go long. No. But here's the benefit. Here's the blessing of drawing nigh to God. We'll find the, the best peace. The best, there's no peace like being close to the Lord. And you'll find the best protection when you get close to him. Oh, I thought about them little lambs and that shepherd. I thought about them little lambs and that shepherd. That old shepherd be walking along. And there's always a few fence straddlers, and there's always a few over here around, you know, not close to the shepherd. But there'd be a little old nucleus that's right around the shepherd. And that old shepherd would take that staff, and there'd be a berry bush. Then old berry bush, he'd reach up and grab that berry bush, he'd pull it down, and he'd rake off handfuls, and you know who got it? 
<laughs> you guessed it. Them is right around that old shepherd. He'd just feed them handfuls. Just feed them. Boy, they'd get them right. And them others only heard about it. They was out there wandering around, you know, and arguing and fussing. And, and all they got to do was hear about it. But, oh, we'll draw nigh to God and stay close to him, friend. I, I mean, every now and then he'll hand feed us. I mean, he'll just hand feed us. Those handfuls, the purpose, by being close to him. Being close to him. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it when I get it from the preacher. I appreciate it when that man of God takes that book and opens it up and gives me a nugget out of it. I tell you, I thank God for it. But I tell you what's even better than that. I tell you what's even better than that when I just be close to God and he'd say, son, here, I just want to hand feed you a little bit. I just want to show you a nugget out of here. I just want to bless you a little bit. And you only get that as you're staying close to the Lord. Drawing that. Draw nigh. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. As sure as we're in this service tonight, somewhere in this message, the Holy Ghost has went. It's checked your life somewhere. You know what? I don't care how long you've been saved. Well, if you'll just respond every time the Holy Ghost speaks to you, get more light. But when you ever balk, when you ever balk, then you've gone as far as you're going spiritually. Oh, you may go on and pretend. You may go right on and carry on, sing in the choir, do your little thing, but you've gone as far as you're going to go spiritually. I want heads bowed and eyes closed. No one, absolutely no one's looking around. I appreciate your attention tonight. And I've tried to be honest with you. I've tried to be as honest as I can be in my heart. There's a ministry of drawing nigh to God. Now, as our musicians play softly, you listen to me. Tonight, somewhere, the Holy Ghost has spoke to your heart, probably. He showed you an area in your life that's caused you to stop drawing nigh to the Lord. It may be the flesh. It may be friendship with the world. It might be that fault-finding tongue. But you're going to have to have an attitude of holiness, an appetite of hunger, and an air of humility. How bad, church, are we willing? How bad are we wanting to get close to God? How is our appetite for godly things? Dad, hey, Dad, how about it? Dad, you're the spiritual leader down at the house. What kind of example are you setting for your children? your wife. Mom, what about it? And there's a principle that runs through this Bible, folk. You're not going to keep God obligated long. If you'll move when he, when he speaks to you, if you'll move and obey, he's going to move too. But wouldn't it be something if we could all get to moving around here this week and obeying God, things that get to happening, hope getting right one with another, little old petty grievances, little old bitty, little old bitty seemingly insignificant things, but yet they're so large that are keeping us from going forward. Now you listen to me, it only takes one Aiken, Mr. Aiken or Mrs. Aiken, to bog down a whole church. What's God the Holy Ghost spoke to you about tonight? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You need to do business now. It's between you and God. I can't make you. I can't force you. What do you want? How close do you want to get to God? 
Many have come forward. Many have prayed. You may have to go to somebody and say, I want you to forgive me. I've had fault towards you. I've had no, I've had no grievous spirit towards you. I want you to forgive me. I tell you, whatever it takes, brother. I mean it, whatever it takes. You might have said some things, thought some things in your heart about the preacher, about the man of God. I'm going to tell you something. God reads your heart like people hear your lips. God knows what's in your heart. But we need to get right tonight. Right with God. And we, if we get right with God, we'll get right with one another now. We want to make it right. Get that old bitterness out. That old jealousy, all those things. Get her out. Ask the Holy Ghost to uproot it. Tear it out now. Get it out, God. These have come tonight. What about you? Are you close to God as you want to get tonight? Are you as far along as you want to get? I don't want you to just come to the altar out of pressure. I don't want to put no peer pressure on you from the pulpit. What is it tonight that's hindering you from going further? Going further with the Lord. I just feel in my heart tonight that there's a dad here that doesn't have a, an appetite for God like you once had. Mom, what about it? I want to help us this week. I want the Holy Ghost to help me and help us together as a church family. But folks, we're going to have to deal with things. We can't get by without it. People are doing business tonight. People are praying. I was able to be in that meeting at the church on Monday and Tuesday. On Tuesday night, listen to me now with your head bowed and eyes closed. On Tuesday night, there's a dear precious preacher friend of mine in our church. He ain't been able to really get to go here lately and preach. I had no idea. I had no idea there's anything wrong between me and him. I pray for him about every day. And that old boy come to me, crawled in the altar. I was down there praying. He crawled over to me, grabbed my coat, said, Buster, would you let me talk to you a minute? I said, sure, Carl. He said, Buster, he said, I've had jealousy in my heart against you. He said, I've, I've had jealousy in my heart against you. He said, would you forgive me? Why, well, I said, Brother Carl, there ain't nothing to forgive, son. Oh, folks, we got to get right now. If you want the church to go forward, if you want God to be able to pour out his blessings, let's get right. Let's get right with God, right with one another. I feel compelled to ask this question. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many of you tonight can honestly say from your heart, Preacher Seton, I've done all that I know the Holy Ghost has bid me to do in this service. As far as I know, I've done it all. Hold your hand up high. Hold it up high if you've been obedient to the Holy Ghost. Hold it up high. Just hold it up high. Take it down now. Folk, there's several people, ladies, dads, children, young people. Folk, let's be obedient to that still small voice tonight. What is it? What is it he's saying to you right now? 
again, Mary told those servants, she said, whatsoever he saith, could you do it? Whatsoever he tells you, do it. Would you do it tonight, church? Oh, God, apply that Bob of Gilead to us tonight. Bring healing to the body of the church here, Lord. Make it right. Do that that needs to be done, folks. that joy that you one time had, that first love, that fellowship, you can have it again. You can feel his sweet presence again if you'll get right. You'll come. It's not worth it, friend. It's not worth it. It's not worth to let anything come between us and the Lord, cut off those blessings, his protection. Don't leave tonight without getting right with God. Swallow that old pride. be obedient church young people teenage boys teenage girls moms and dads let's be obedient to the Lord tonight we can get the windows of heaven open around here if we'll get right yeah if we'll pay the price get right with the Lord Yes. Now you listen to me, listen to me, young people, moms and daddies. Husband, you may have to just look over to your wife and say, honey, I've been kind of crossways. Now, won't you forgive me? And it might, say, might mean wife. I won't say to you, honey, I've been crossways. Hey, young people, you might have to go to mom and dad. Say, mom and dad, I've been rebellious. My heart's not been right. I want to get it right. <laughs> 